And now please welcome Michael as we continue our act series. Thank you, Bill. You know, I was sitting there listening to Bill, and I thought, if we ever have a church radio station, we found our DJ. Hey, don't you think? This is the morning show with Bill Carpenter. Just this, uh, <laughs> such a smooth, silky voice, Bill. What a voice. Okay, hopefully they aren't recording yet, but, uh, <laughs> but good morning. It's, it, it's good to see everyone, and... Uh, uh, we've been in a series called the, the Church in Motion, and it's out of, uh, today we're going to be looking at Acts 13, and uh, I would bet in most of your Bibles, in Acts 13, either at the start or somewhere in Acts 13, it's going to have the heading, uh, Paul's First Missionary Journey. And in the book of Acts, there's 28 chapters, and uh, we're looking at 13, there's 15 to go, and in the next 15 chapters, it's primarily going to be focused on Paul's missionary journeys and he actually has three missionary journeys that that he goes on and it's so important as we get into these chapters that we don't disengage at any level because you hear the word missionary and something inside you goes well I'm not a missionary right because aren't missionaries they're people that go to crazy countries you know they go to Brazil or they go to Angola or they go to some foreign country uh, yes, those are missionaries, but as we look at these chapters and look at Paul's adventures, we need to remember, and this is in your notes, that we are all called to be missionaries. Because to define the word missionary basically means someone who's been sent. It's a sent one. And if you remember what Jesus said in uh, Matthew 28, what is that, that one word command? Go. That sounds like a sent one to me. And, and just like Paul was sent to uh, different cities, you and I have been sent to different families, different neighborhoods, different places of work, different communities. We've been, we're sent ones. We're, we're missionaries. Listen to this quote. It says, The spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. And the nearer we get to him, the more intensely missional we must become. And basically what he's saying there is when, when you say yes to Jesus, you don't just embrace a set of rules, a set of do's and don'ts. When, when you say yes to Jesus, you embrace Jesus. You embrace the one who, you know, one of the ways he describes himself uh, is as the good shepherd who would leave the 99 to what? To go and look for one lost lamb. And the longer we walk with Jesus, the more, you know, we get to know him, the more that heart his heart rubs off on us. And we not only get, you know, uh, get his heart added to that, he also sends us out totally equipped for this mission he's given us. And I would say one of the key verses in this whole series, uh, Acts 1 verse 8, remember where Jesus, he promises the Holy Spirit to come and fill all his followers. Remember that verse? And it's, and my, and it's like to what end? Like to what end? Are you going to fill us with your spirit? And does it say that, you know, he will empower you so that you will feel better about yourself? Is that why he filled us with the Holy Spirit? Well, no, that's not what it says. But I promise you, if you follow him and if you obey, you know, increasingly obey the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life, you know what? You will feel better about yourself. Does it say, uh, and he will empower you so that you'll be rich and successful and all your dreams will be fulfilled? Well, no. It doesn't say that, but I can also promise if you follow him and, and obey his guidance in your life, you're going to find a contentment that money can't buy, that success can't buy. Well, what does it say? Uh, the verse says in Acts 1.8, it says that he will empower you to be my witnesses, to be my sent ones, to be my missionaries. So I am talking to a room filled with missionaries today. And as we look at these stories in the coming weeks, you know, of Paul's missionary journeys, there's a lot we can learn from what he experienced because we're not jumping in some sailboat and, you know, whipping around Greece and Italy, which I would love to do right now, actually, now that I think of it. But, uh, so we may not be traveling like Paul is in these, in these missionary journeys, but I promise you, what he encounters and what he experiences as he's on his missional journey, we encounter and experience the exact same things as we live our lives as missionaries. So let's, let's pray, and then we will uh, jump into Acts 13. So Lord, uh, thank you so much for today. Thank you for 
uh, just as we are singing, uh, just as we are singing the truths about who you are and what you've done, it's just stirring our hearts again to how amazing you are, how awesome you are, how big you are. And I pray that you would continue just coming close this morning. You know everyone in this room. You know what's going on. You know what people need to hear. You know what, uh, you know what will bring life to us today. And I pray for each one of us that you just settle our hearts and minds and uh, just get us in a place to receive from you right now. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you want to turn your Bible to Acts 13. We have Bibles here at the front and also at the back. We have restrooms. No, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know why. I, I'll stop that one day, I guarantee it. But it, it'll be a while. So Acts 13, verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 to 4. Here's what it says. <clears throat> now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, Barnabas and Saul, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. So, stop there. Now, Remember, this is the church, this is this little, or, well, I don't know how little it was, but this is the, the, the very first Gentile church that was birthed in this crazy city. If you remember a couple weeks ago, this just, you know, very dark uh, city of Antioch. And what jumps out at me right away is when you, when you see names in the Bible, it's, it's good to pay attention to the names. And what, what jumps out at me right away is I look at this, this list of names, and really it's, like, it's sort of like saying, well, here are the key leaders of this young church. Let me give you the roll call of the key leaders. And it's, and it's, good for, it's important for us to pay attention because this is a very uh, uh, unlikely group of people. Or like it says in your notes there, unlikely co-workers. Because you've got Barnabas, and we're pretty familiar with Barnabas because we've met him already. But Barnabas was a guy who was uh, uh, raised in Cyprus and, and uh, in, a, in a Greek culture. So he was a Hellenistic Jew. So he's a Jew, but he's called a Hellenistic Jew because he was influenced by the Greek culture and, and if you remember from I don't know when we talked about it but there's in Jerusalem the Hebraic Jews they saw Hellenistic Jews like you guys are down here we're the real thing you're like you're we're Coke you're Pepsi or vice versa depending on your uh, your choice so you got Barnabas you've got Simeon we don't know a lot about Simeon but it you know it, it tells us something that his nickname was Niger which is Latin for black so I think it's fair to assume that he was a black man, probably from, from northern Africa. We don't know if him and Lucius were friends. Uh, Lucius is a man who's from Cyrene, which is also northern Africa. And then uh, there's this guy, Manaen, and it says that he was raised with Herod the Tetrarch, who's the, uh, there's, you know, there's a line of Herod, you know, families of, of uh, uh, governors in Judea. And, and if you're at all familiar with the Herod clan, they're a pretty brutal, violent bunch. Uh, Herod the Tetrarch, his father was the one who was slaughtering babies at the time of Jesus' birth. Uh, his son, now Herod the Tetrarch, was the guy who uh, had John the Baptist beheaded, if you're familiar with that story. And so this guy, Manaen, was raised in that family, in that incredibly violent, dysfunctional family. And then we have Saul, who is soon going to change his name to Paul. And uh, Saul would have been his Jewish name. Saul was born in Tarsus, again, another uh, Greek community. And his uh, Greek name would have been Paul. So he's not, you know, changing his name. He's just taking on his Greek name. So here's where I'm going with this. You've got this group of very unlikely men gathered together to lead this church. And what jumps out at me is that when God picks his team, he really likes to mix things up. Listen to this quote. These men would have been trained from birth to despise the other men in this list, to feel superior to the men in this list, to position themselves as more intelligent and more intrinsically valuable than the other men in this list. The gospel showed up and blew all that away, tore down the walls of hostility, broke down the walls of cultural identification, and created a new body, a new people. And, and really what that's saying is, 
is that uh, God bringing this, you know, planting this church and growing this church and bringing this group of guys together to lead this. He's like, you guys, I don't just want you to work together. I want you to be brothers, right? Because one, one of the signs, uh, one of the indicators of God's power at work within a community of people is unity. One of the indicators of the gospel being preached and received by a group of people is unity. And another way to put that, one of the signs of God moving and, and working within a group of people is people that shouldn't be getting along are getting along. That's a sign of the gospel at work. Uh, John 13, 35 says this. Uh, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We're missionaries, we're sent ones. And one of the, one of the primary ways that we uh, uh, shine to the world one of the primary indicators that, that we belong to him, one of the primary indicators that we are Christians, it isn't by, you know, a fish on our car or that 104.9 is number one on your preset. Those, those are great. Boop, boop, those are great. I don't understand that. But the number one indicator is how we get along. It's do we love each other, right? And I don't know about you, but if I was picking teams... I would pick people just like me. I would pick people that I like, people that I can chill with, people that I'm relaxed with. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do like what God does, what, he's, what we see in Antioch, where he's grabbing people who just don't like each other and saying, let's become family. And see, God does this because he wants to teach us how to love the way he loves. And one of the main themes in the book of Acts is, hey, God's doing a new thing. This church that's been born, this is new. Because of the cross, because of what Jesus did on the cross, no longer is it going to be Jews, you're over there, Samaritans, you're way in the back, Gentiles, you're outside, women, you're over there, slaves. No longer are these, all these dividing markers, the cross, through the power of the cross, they've been removed. And now God's saying, the church, my church, my family is for everyone. And the way that he, he teaches us and, and gets us to that place of unity, the way he works it is by throwing us all together in a big pot and stirring us all up where you're rubbing up against people that you normally wouldn't hang out with. That you're working shoulder to shoulder with someone that you would never have chosen to work shoulder to shoulder with. Because God knows it takes a little bit of friction to uncork or awaken in us the love the patience, the kindness that you don't even know is there. But God knows it's there. And he knows it's not going to come out if you just stay with your little comfortable group. So he throws us into places where there's friction to unearth, to, to awaken what he's put in you. Does that make sense? I remember uh, when I was in middle school, it was the best seven years of my life. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, one of the things we had looked to look forward to in, in middle school, this, I think it was uh, in seventh grade, we always had a class camp out. We'd go for like three or four days, and, um, and our teacher, he would, he would put the class into different groups, <coughs> and every group had a leader. And I remember uh, there was this one kid in the class, and I totally, uh, he really left a mark in my life, this young man. His name was Vincent Avery, and Vincent, if you... Uh, went into the dictionary under, you know, to look, for, uh, to define the word awkward. Vincent's right there. Vincent was that guy, and I know every class, you know, if you think back to school, he was the guy in the class that nobody wanted to hang around. He was the very awkward, he was clumsy. I don't even know if he talked. I, I mean, he just was that guy, that strange guy that was always on his own. And I remember, you know, we're ramping up to this camp out and the teacher took me aside and he says, hey, because uh, I was leading one of the groups, and he said, uh, hey, I want you to know that I'm putting Vincent in your group. And on the outside, I'm like, okay. And on the inside, I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Vincent, not Vincent. I mean, I'm trying to be cool. There's going to be chicks there, right? It's like, and and. And I remember, and I really, uh, I have vivid memories of, of this camp out where Vincent, 
uh, of just so many awkward moments where I was like embarrassed and I could still see him tripping over. We had a fire ring, you know, the rocks. He tripped over it, knocked our little pot and, you know, people laughing. And I'm, uh, I remember watching my friends walk down the trail down to the lake and I'm stuck in this campsite with Vincent. And I look back at that time and there's been many more times like that, but I really, I, this was a significant time because at the, at the time I wouldn't have, uh, known this I wouldn't have been aware of this but that awkward time with this young man Vincent did something to me awakened something in me that that I didn't know was there awakened a kindness and a patience that I didn't know was there but God used this awkward relationship this friendship with this young guy to pop something, uh, bring something alive in me. And you know, to this day, when I go into a room with a group of people, I just have like a an awareness. If there's someone there that is awkward or feels out of place, I'm drawn to those people. So if we have a meeting in the, in the weeks to come, if I come talk to you, don't think it's because you're awkward. But <laughs> that's where this whole thing sort of goes backwards on you. But what I'm saying is, it, God was working in that uncomfortable, awkward drag of a time and here's the thing that's one of the beauties of the church because we don't pick who comes here God picks who comes here and there's always room for more and and you know it's like the picture I get is God sort of he's got these huge arms he can get his arms around everybody and all these people are coming in and he's like come on in come on in he's holding all these people and he's going all right now I'm going to teach you how to love each other now I'm going to teach you how to get along and he's like because he knows what it's going to take He knows what needs to rub you a certain way to pop that love, to bring to life that patience and the kindness or whatever it is he wants to, you know, birth in you. And so he's like, okay, you guys, I'm going to put you guys with these guys in a small group. And, oh, you're going to sign up to work with kids, and you are too, and you guys are going to work together. And he's going to use that. It's like he's the mastermind of how to put us in situations to give us opportunities to learn how to love. And this is so important to God, this us getting along and us being more and more comfortable with people we're not normally comfortable with. To not only put up with, but actually love each other. This is so important to God that he actually puts it even above our worship of him. Listen to this, Matthew 5, 23. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them. First go and say, I'm sorry. First go and say, that was wrong what I did. First go and say, hey, we're at odds. Can we work this out? God's like, you know what? You want to come and love me? The way you love me is go love them first. Go love him first. Go love her first. Go make things right with them first. And then, like it says, then come and offer your gift. Then come and worship me. You know, if we all had on our shirts a pie graph, uh, a pie graph showing where God is working in our lives right now, the biggest wedge in that graph would be in this area because it all comes down to loving people. It all comes down to our relationships. So my question for you is, who is God, who has God put in your life to teach you how to love? Who is that person that God has put in your life that God is, is, is using them to awaken in you patience, to awaken in you faith or love or whatever it is. Who is that? It could be your spouse. It could be a child. It could be a neighbor. It could be, you know, someone at work. Who is that person that God has brought into your life to do his work? You can think about that. Okay, number one, unlikely co-workers. Number two, uh, our constant guide. So let's go to uh, Acts 13, number 2. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. So number 2, again, is our constant guide and you know, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, the, the star of the book of Acts or the, you know, the, the main character isn't Paul, isn't Peter. 
it's the Holy Spirit. All through the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit working, uh, and especially in this area, and this is what I want to touch on, especially in the area of guiding his people. And up till this point, the sending out of God's people, uh, it was more a response to persecution, wasn't it? Like the, you know, the sending out up to this point looked more like run, right? That's more how, the, how God was moving his people around. But now what we see in verse 4 is we see the Holy Spirit taking charge and working to fulfill the plans that he has for Paul and for, and for Barnabas. And it's like, okay, I know. I know what I'm doing with you guys. I know where you need to go and I know when you need to get there. And what we see all through Paul's missionary journeys, we just see the Holy Spirit through all kinds of creative ways leading him leading these guys and it's no different for us as missionaries like Paul Hebrews 12 1 says this therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith Now, isn't it comforting, isn't it encouraging to know that God has a race marked out for us? That God has a race marked out for you, for, you know, for your loved ones, for your kids, for your friends, etc. That God, that God knows what he made you for. That God knows what he wants to accomplish in your life and through your life, this side of heaven. And one of the cool things, and and really one of the comforting things in all this is that uh, it's his job to guide us he is the constant guide it's his job to nudge and to to speak and to you know however he's going to do it it's his job to show the way and to wake the, make the way clear our job is to look for his guidance our job is to expect that he's going to guide us our job is to you know grow in our sensitivity to the holy spirit's nudges and his whispers, and then when we get a sense of where he's leading us or what he's put in front of us, to do our best just to step into, to obey what he's, what he's led us to. And, you know, this week I was, sitting, <coughs> I was sitting in my office working on my sermon, and, and I'm sitting there working away, and all of a sudden this thought just goes floating through my mind, and the thought was, you should have lunch with Bill tomorrow. And those kind of nudges are easy to obey because it's going for lunch. And so, uh, uh, <coughs> and so uh, Bill and I almost always, if we go for lunch, when we go for lunch, uh, we, we all pretty much always go to the crazy Greek down in, uh, in Polaris. Look at that. Whoa, whoa. Well, thank you for their sponsorship today. But we, so, so we're driving down there and, you know, we're, we left the church and we're getting up here right around, you know, the interchange 71, 36, 37, where there's, there's more traffic and we're sitting there stuck in traffic and I'm st- inside, I'm starting to get anxious. Like, man, this is going to take too long. I've got to write a sermon. It's got to make sense. I need to get back. And I'm starting to get anxious. And I turned to Bill and I said, hey, maybe we should go somewhere closer. And again, right away, a thought goes through my mind. No, you have plenty of time. And I don't know if Bill was using the force. You know, no, you have plenty of time, young Padawan, right? But I'm like, oh. You know, so off we go. We go down to the crazy Greek. And uh, we go in there and our waitress walks up and I've never seen her before, but, uh, and, but she, you know, introduces herself and I, hello, and, and I look at her and then I look and her, at her tummy and you'll make sense why I looked at her tummy. She had a little bump, okay? <laughs> She's got this little bump and I look at this young gal and in my mind I go, hmm, I wonder if she's pregnant. And as soon as that thought went through my mind, like, Boom, I just had a flash in my mind, a vivid picture. And I saw these hands. And I knew that they were God's hands. And I saw this baby born into God's hands. I couldn't see if it was a boy or girl. I saw this baby born, and I saw this little one grow up to adulthood in the safety of God's hands. And when I saw that, it was like a flash. This wave of emotion came over me, and I bit my lip like, oh, no, I'm not going to start to ball here. I mean, the food's good, but it's not that good, right? And it's like, what is that? Like, what is that? Am I losing my mind? Or is that the Holy Spirit? Is that the Holy Spirit, 
setting this whole thing up. Hey, you should have lunch with Bill. Oh, no, we're not going to have time. No, you're going to have time. And sit down with this girl, and boom, I have a picture. See, see, he's the constant guide. We are the, we're the sent ones. We're the missionaries. And, and it's his job to guide us. It's his job to get us to the right place at the right time and equip us to give us what we need at that time, to do the work that he's given us to do. And, and you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is that the Holy Spirit primarily speaks to me through pictures. And, and that doesn't mean every picture I have, believe me, every picture I have in my mind is not from God, but many of them are. And you know, just as a side note, you know where I learned that? You know, it's like learning a language. You know where I learned that language? Was in small groups. It was in a failure-friendly culture where we believe that God speaks, that when we pray for someone, we say, come Holy Spirit, and then we listen. And it was in those kind of, you know, times where we're praying for one another where I get a picture and I'd say well uh, this sounds crazy but I'm seeing this and many times it was like no that means nothing to me and then there were times where poof, it would just you know the person would just start to cry or it would really speak to them and God would speak through that well you know let me encourage you let me uh, challenge you to take the time to learn that language because I look at all of you, and I know that God knows how to communicate with you. He knows how to, how, how to get your attention and how to you know, speak to you in such a way that you're going you're gonna to be aware of him. Because remember, uh, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, we are his tool of choice. The work that he's doing, this kingdom rescuing work on planet earth, is, he's doing it through us. And he's given us, uh, uh, you know, our constant guide, the Holy Spirit, who's with us all the time to guide us, to get us where we need to be and to say what we need to say. And just to finish off the story, uh, I asked the question you're never supposed to ask uh, at the end of the meal. And I asked this young lady, I said, hey, uh, my name's Bill Carpenter. Um, would you, no, I said, I said, oh, I said, um, are you pregnant? And yes, she was pregnant. And, and I said, well, this might sound crazy, but and it really touched her. She, she did one of those, and I think that's a good sign. And, and, but here's the thing that I realized. Uh, God alone knows the impact of that. But I don't know about you, but that's really encouraging. Because the impact, the fruit, is up to him. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. Our, our job is just to deliver the message. Our job is to do our best to, to follow his lead, his job. Uh, is, is, to, is to drive the message home or whatever it was. So, number, number three, uh, the Holy Spirit sends Paul and Barnabas out. Uh, let's take it up in verse six. So this, now they've embarked on the first missionary journey. <clears throat> they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. I'll bet. So number three is uh, expect opposition. You know, when we look at this story as Paul and Barnabas head out, you know, led by the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and again, this whole thing of him being our constant guide, what a coincidence. What a coincidence that, that, you know, the Holy Spirit sends him out and he sends him to this community to where here's this guy, of, you know, a very influential man in the community, and he just happens to be hungry 
to learn about God. What a coincidence, he said sarcastically. But, you know, God's brought him to this place, and, and, and now, you know, as, as the Holy Spirit is stirring up this man and bringing Paul and Barnabas there, the enemy is also stirring up this sorcerer named Elymas, and, and, and he, the enemy is using this guy to oppose what God is doing. And it's, it's the same for us. Listen to this quote. As we carry the gospel into all the world, we are not to expect unqualified success. We are to be prepared for opposition, resistance, even persecution and martyrdom. This age remains evil, hostile to the gospel of the kingdom. If you remember from last weekend, uh, JT used a phrase that we use a lot in the vineyard, the, the now and the not yet. And he's talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus came to earth and he came. He was proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign, the power and authority of God. And the now is that the kingdom of God has come now. And the not yet is, but, but the, the fullness of the kingdom of God is not yet here. The fullness of his authority, his power, his dominion, it's not here. So living in the now, in this age, until Jesus returns, that's when we'll see the fullness but in this age, there's still evil. It's limited, but there's still evil. So you and I, as we live this life, are in a battle. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to uh, expect opposition. Because if, if we're actually going to step into this, uh, trying to learn how to love each other, trying to learn how to get along, take the time to walk through hard things and you know, extend forgiveness and ask forgiveness, if we're going to step into that, if we're going to step into uh, expecting and looking for the Holy Spirit's guidance and, okay, you know, you get up and you're going to go to work Monday morning and, yeah, I got all these things to do or I got all these other things to do here at home or whatever, but Holy Spirit, show me, you know, you guide me today. If you're going to set out to do all those things, you're going to experience opposition because the enemy, he lives to oppose the kingdom of God, to resist, to push back against the kingdom of God and what God wants to do in us and to do through us. And, and the primary way that he works, it's, it's working to discourage us, to confuse us, to cause us to question the presence of God, the goodness of God. And, and he works, he opposes in so many ways, but the primary way is he uses uh, subtle opposition. Right? And what I mean by that is it's, it's an opposition, it's a pushback that's under the radar, right? It's, it's, it's negative thoughts and whispers. It's accusing thoughts. It's threatening thoughts. It's just, you, you know, it's like why you're walking around all day and why is it ringing through your mind as you're a loser? You're a failure. It's constantly, it's this subtle opposition or it can be, it can be in our emotions. You just feel afraid or you just feel this dread and you and and what what makes it confusing is it's it, again it's under the radar because you can't figure out why it's there it's just there it can be illness it can be chronic illness there's no reason why it's there but it's just there it's subtle opposition it's it's a heaviness it's you know it's it's irritability it's all these things and he and it's subtle because he wants to he wants to keep us in this place of blaming ourselves for what's going on. Well, if only I would have done this, or if only I would have said that, or if only, if only I, or blaming others, well, if, because they did this or because they did that. He wants to keep us in that place instead of the truth, which is blaming him for the opposition that he's bringing against us. And normally with this subtle opposition, there's this whispered encouragement to isolate, right? To pull away, like, no, 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 don't go to church. No, 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 don't go to small group or don't call that friend. Don't let anyone know you're struggling. Don't let anyone know that on the inside you just feel like you're falling apart. Right? I don't know what it is about us as humans. Well, I think, you know, pride and we want to look cool and all those great things. But, but I don't know why it is when we're, when we're struggling, instead of crying out, medic, like, I need help. What is it? I see this in myself all the time. What is it in us that when we're struggling, when, you know, when we're getting, there's opposition, when we're getting attacked, when we're getting beat up, why is it that we pull away and we isolate and we get into a worse place? Because now the enemy's sort of got you in the corner. Oof, 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 oof. You know, when we look at Paul's life and we look at these uh, missionary journeys, talking about opposition, you know, we'll see in the stories to come. But I mean, Paul faced constant 
opposition as he followed the Holy Spirit's lead, as he went on all these missionary journeys. Constant opposition. And sometimes he had victories, like in this story where, you know, it's like he turns at LMS, the sorcerer, sort of a Chuck Norris moment, and you, you know, and the guy, and, and the guy gets saved, and it's, you know, it's like this victory. But in a, just a few verses or near the end of this chapter, if I remember correctly, Paul and Barnabas are going to get run out of Dodge. They're going to get run out of town. And in like two or three chapters, Paul's going to get pummeled with stones. So here's a guy that faced opposition, constant opposition, and something that we can learn from Paul. In how, okay, so how do we stand? If we're in a battle, if until you know, we die or you know, Jesus returns, we're in a battle. We need to expect opposition. How do we stand in that opposition? One of the things we can learn from Paul is that as you look at Paul's life and all these journeys he went on as a missionary, that he always had someone with him. That Paul was never alone. He always had a brother with him to encourage him. He always had a brother, a friend with him to speak truth to him. To remind him of the faithfulness of God. To remind him of the call of God on his life. To, you know, to, to, to bring perspective in the midst of the opposition. In the midst of this constant attack against him. 2 Corinthians uh, 10 verse 5 says this. You know, how do we live in this opposition? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, I don't know about you. I, I mean, I love that scripture. That's such a call to, call to arms sort of scripture. Like, you know, like lean into the opposition and fight back. I, but I don't know about you, but on my own, I find it really hard to do this. Because, because I, you know, you're sort of, you're beaten down, you're worn down. And so I have a, a practice in my life where almost every week I have a friend that I call, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, we've been friends for years and I, I'll just unload with this guy. I just, we're both, and it, it's, you know, it goes both ways in it, but, but I'll just share, here's what's going on and here's what I'm afraid of. And here's what's been keeping me up at night. And here's what, you know, is, is stirring insecurities or here's what, here's where I think I'm failing. You know what I mean? Just unloading all the stuff that you don't want anyone else to know, basically. And what uh, has been such a gift and such a, an encouragement in the midst of opposition is my friend, you know, really led by the Holy Spirit will just, will speak truth to me. And, and will, we'll, you know, bring perspective in the midst of opposition. No, no, God's not against you. Right, God's for you, right? No, 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 he's not disappointed with you. He loves you, you're his boy, right? No, 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 you don't have to carry that shame or that guilt, he's forgiven you. See, it was through a, this brother, he was helping me take captive those thoughts that were going against the truth of God. He was, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit to silence those whispers, those, that nagging like flies around our heads, that nagging accusation, whatever, to, to silence the enemy or to break the power of that attack. And here's the thing that I'm aware of. That's going on right now in this room. There's subtle opposition going on in this room right now. The enemy is whispering and condemning and accusing. There's a heaviness, there's a dread. You're, you, know, you, don't, you don't know why it's there, but you feel like you're on the outside and everyone's on the inside. That's going on right now. And what we need, what we need right now is we need a brother or a sister to come alongside and through the power of the Holy Spirit to speak truth into those situations and to expose the subtle opposition of the enemy, to, to, uh, to, you know, to sort of blow that fog away, to see truth, to stand not condemned, but as a son or daughter of the king, to stand in the place uh, that Jesus bought for all of us. So why don't, we, why don't we stand up? Here's how we want to end off today. Well, let's just, let's just quiet ourselves.
Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you love us and you know us, that you're for us. We thank you that right now you're working in all of our lives, that right now you're pursuing all of us. Lord, I thank you for this incredible call to be missionaries, that as we spend our lives this side of heaven, we get to uh, spend each day following your lead, doing and saying what you want us to do and say, Lord. We just welcome you right now. Just come and be personal with each one here. Come, Lord. Lord, apart from you, we have nothing. Apart from your guidance, Holy Spirit, we are lost. So come and tune us into you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. So we just want to give a chance to respond, uh, to get prayer this morning. And, and the three groups, the one is really what I ended off with. There's people here today and you're under attack. And you're stepping into all these things and you're following the Holy Spirit. And the enemy's like, I do not want that to happen. And he's attacking you. And he wants to discourage you. He wants to isolate you. And, but God's like, no way, keep... Keep it coming, and he wants to come close to you today. He wants, you know, to, to, to lift that fog or to come against that opposition. So if that's you, we want to pray for you. Another group would be <coughs> just when I talked about the Holy Spirit speaking, that there's people that are like, man, I don't know that language at all, right? Like, I don't know how he communicates to me. I don't know how he whispers to me. I'm just, I feel clueless in that. Well, uh, we want to pray for you because he wants to come alongside and teach you that language. Teach you how does he communicate with you. And there's just tons of different ways. So we want to pray for you if that's you. And then the third group was uh, that person who came to mind. I just saw, uh, uh, you know, someone, you were, someone came to mind and you just, it was, it was so deflating to you because you just thought, man, I don't, even, I don't have a clue how to, you know, how to love this person. Because they just, they, are, they just rubbed me the wrong way so much. And I, if that was you, if someone came to mind and you're just aware that I want to, but I don't know how to, we want to pray for you because God wants to awaken in you a love and a patience uh, that you don't even know is there yet, but he wants to bring it to the service. And then one physical thing, uh, anyone who has pain in their left, well, really anyone who has pain anywhere, we want to pray for you. But I was praying yesterday and literally I, had, I just had this intense pain go through my knee and I thought... You know, that's weird because I just sit around all the time. But, but, and then I thought, maybe it's a word for this weekend. And it went away. So, oh, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I think. So if anyone has any sickness, we want to pray for you. But especially if you're here today and you have pain in your left knee, that's God saying, you. I want to talk to you this morning. So JT's going to lead us in a song. Come on forward for prayer. Come to Jesus. And as people come forward, let's make sure... Uh, someone's here to pray for him. So just come on up. Oh, and there's one word here. Go ahead, Laura. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You I can never work this microphone. Um, so I don't really have a word. Just something happened to me yesterday, and I felt like God wanted me to share it with you just to encourage you. Um, so I absolutely love, like, wherever I am, just getting a word for someone or just going up to strangers and loving them. And usually, like, it's fine and nothing weird happens. So yesterday, um, I was at the pool with Olive, and there was this giant man with dreadlocks on the other side of the pool. And I looked at him, and I just, like, was overcome with God's love for him. I just, like, wanted to cry. And I was like, I'm not going over there to tell him that. <laughs> so I said, God, if you really want me to say this to him, you need to make something happen. So, of course, he and his daughter, like, walk right past me and go to the concession stand. And then, so I was like, okay, when he comes back, I'm going to say it. So I go up to him, and I say, this is going to sound really weird. 
just feel like God wants me to tell you he loves you so much. Stone-faced. Nothing. He just stares at me. And I was like, and he sees you, and like, you know, he just, he sees where you are, and he just loves you, and he's like, okay, thank you, and walks away. And I was so embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. But just like Michael said, you know, the fruit is up to God. Like, I have no idea what's going on in that guy's heart. You know, yeah. so maybe I really was obedient. So I just wanted to encourage all of you just to go for it, because who cares? Like, I'm never going to see him again. You know, <laughs> may, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's have a disclaimer. Wait, no, 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 you're good. You're good. No, no, you're good. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you the over the microphone. Is, uh, the fruit is up to God. It yeah. doesn't matter how I look. It doesn't yeah. matter how you look. Like, that is the point of yeah. the Christian walk is just to go yeah. for it. So yeah. that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> That's awesome. All right? So come on. Well done. So let's uh, come on forward. We'll pray for you, and then, uh, then we'll end the service off. But, you know, even listening to that, and this may terrify some of you, that's God's desire for all of us. Like, there's just, there are just, there's so much advent, so many adventures ahead for us. But he knows you, right? He knows where, what the next step is for you, right? So come on forward, get prayer, and then, and then we'll end the service off. And again, let's just make sure as people come forward, uh, there's people praying for them. Just don't feel like you have to say too much. Just invite the Holy Spirit. He's the one stirring hearts right now and hooking hearts. And let's just make room for him to come to people and to speak to people. So let's make sure everyone has someone praying for them. And all the depths of your mercy That saves a wretch like me And the waves of forgiveness Your blood that covers me Come pour it out Pour it out And all the weight of your glory That brings me to my knees And the power of your presence That heals and sets me free. Come pour it out. Come pour it out. Come pour it out.
pour it out and pour it out oh the depths and oh the depths of your mercy that saves a wretch like me and the waves of forgiveness it's your blood that covers me so pour it out Lord, we thank you for your presence and all that you're doing. All the ways you're coming close right now, we just bless it with healing, with uh, encouragement, with you know, breaking the enemy's power, push silencing the enemy's voice. We welcome all that you're doing right now. Just come be who you are. Just come be our father. Come be our protector. Come be our guide. I just had that scripture, and I can't remember where it's found right now, but um, basically it says, oh, you know, oh, what a gift, or oh, what a joy that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We're his children, and I just had this sense that one of the tricks of the enemy is he wants us to live our lives on earth thinking we're orphans, not realizing that we've been adopted, not realizing that we have a God that's with us, who cares for us, who loves us, who wants to parent us, who wants to guide us, who wants to lead us. I just want to encourage you, even this week, be aware. Uh, be aware of what's going on in you as you go about your week. Be aware of what, you know, your thoughts. Be aware of your feelings and, and sort of take everything and look at it and go, anything that's, that pushes towards being an orphan, you know, to throw it out, to deal with it. And, and you know, does that make sense? To, but to look for and to lean into that you're a son. You're a daughter of the king. You're never alone. And this side of heaven, it, it's his job to care for you and protect you and guide you and provide and on and on and on and on. So, so let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll end this service. So Lord, <coughs> I just pray this week that you would guard us from the, the opposition of the enemy. You would... Uh, strengthen us, uh, strengthen our understanding to see when it's Him, to see when, when those thoughts or whatever's going on, those feelings, to just to, to recognize, wait a minute, that's not true. That's not true. That's not what Jesus says. That's not what the Bible says. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us and grow us in that area. Lord, I pray just blessing over all of us this week. I pray, uh, just like Laura was sharing, I pray for loads of opportunities to step out and to point someone to Jesus, to introduce someone to Jesus, to just share whatever you give us to share, Lord. Give us wisdom, give us humility, give us boldness to be your missionaries. Lord, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, bless you. Have a great uh, rest of the week. And uh, I think there's some uh, sign up in the lobby uh, for soaking prayer there, but uh, we'll see you next weekend. Bless you.